Three Signs of the Times by René Goering. René Goering, PhD, is president of Bogenhofen Seminary, St. Peter am Hart, Austria. War breaks out in Eastern Europe. Flooding sweeps away towns in the Philippines. An underwater earthquake triggers a tsunami that creates a nuclear catastrophe in Japan. Massive hurricanes devastate Florida. A heat wave triggers fires in California. A pandemic kills millions. Are these tragedies a sign of Jesus' imminent second coming? Strictly speaking, no. Jesus speaks of such catastrophes as what must happen, but simply belongs to this fallen world. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Yet the end, Jesus says, is not yet. In fact, the events are only the beginning of sorrows. These catastrophes do, however, have an eschatological character. Jesus told us about them in response to the question about what would precede his coming. So, these tragedies, although pointing us to his advent, do not tell us when the end will come. In contrast, Jesus mentions one sign that imminently precedes the end of the world and, to a degree, prepares the world for it. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. It is therefore not bad news, famines, wars and pestilences that bring the end. It is instead good news, the gospel, that does it. The end comes when everyone has heard of God's love for humankind as most powerfully expressed at the cross. This, though, is the first of three major signs of the end. The first sign. It is striking that Jesus does not simply speak of the gospel, but of this gospel. What Jesus expresses in Matthew 24, 14 parallels the everlasting gospel of Revelation 14, 6 to 13. Jesus has in mind the true gospel as opposed to false gospels. Jesus, in Revelation 14.6, identifies his church as preaching the everlasting gospel. It is clear that through the passage of time, false gospels would arise. Paul recognized this when he said, But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Gospels would be proclaimed, but only this one that Jesus speaks of, the eternal, unchanging, enduring one that John highlights, is the true gospel. And so, Revelation's three angels' messages are heaven's appeal to restore the true gospel. Heralds of these messages shall build the old waste places, raise up the foundations of many generations, and shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, the message of the Creator God and His Creation Memorial Day, the Sabbath, and the message of the investigative judgment, which calls for the acceptance of the offered grace. These are the messages that rebuild the original gospel that has been proclaimed incompletely for so long, 
but is now restored as the everlasting gospel. Only when the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus have been proclaimed to every person is the sign fulfilled that announces the imminent return of Christ. When exactly this is fulfilled, however, is not easily recognisable. An earthquake, a tsunami or a war are seen, visible and easily recognised, but the personal, silent inquiry into biblical truth, the secret listening to a sermon on the three angels' messages, the hidden reading of a book like The Great Controversy or the unnoticed study of the Bible during the lunch break, who can measure these things? One thing is certain, Technology could allow us to spread the everlasting gospel to the whole world within the shortest possible time, ways being increasingly used all over the world. The second sign. The second major sign is directly tied to the first. In Matthew 24, 31, disasters and persecution are not Christ's core message. Instead, his warnings against apostasy is. His first statement refers to this danger even before he speaks of any other sign. See that no one deceives you. This warning appears three times in his speech, at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end. No other topic is emphasized so often or takes up as much space. Consequently, when we speak about one of the major end time signs, it must include apostasy. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? There is a concrete reason for this apostasy. Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. All the problems that Jesus outlines, from hatred to persecution to killing, have their origin here. In his entire discourse, he does not give a single reason for these ills except for this one. Everything else is symptomatic of the underlying disease which is the increasing lawlessness depicted in this one verse. Jesus is not talking about general lawlessness in relation to society and state laws. Quite the contrary. Verse 10 indicates that Christians will betray one another and hand each other over to the authorities precisely because they hold the state laws in higher esteem than they do the law of God, which their despised brothers and sisters still keep. Verses 9 through 14 are about Christians alone, not about unbelieving society. Accordingly, it must also be the law of God, not that of the state that is broken. It will be possible among many Christian groups to see some that will preach a strange gospel. Thus, while a faithful remnant will preach the everlasting gospel to the end, a significant portion of Christendom will preach a corrupted gospel, one that condones lawlessness the breaking of God's commandments, and will lead many astray. This sad truth is also announced in 2 Thessalonians 2. Three times this key concept, lawlessness, is referred to as the basis of apostasy. The man of lawlessness establishes the mystery of lawlessness and appears as the lawless one, with signs and wonders in the power of Satan. Note that mystery is almost invariably the code for gospel in the New Testament. The true gospel, the eternal gospel, is supplanted by man-made gospel of lawlessness and supported by the miracle-working power of Satan, which leads to the deception of almost all humanity. Whether Satan's deceptions and seductions are successful is determined, then by one's attitude toward 
the law. If people deny and openly break it, their love for God must inevitably grow cold. And Satan, through false prophets, false teachers and miracles, gets room to work powerfully in them because they have not accepted the love of truth. Therefore, God is sending them a deceiving power so that they may believe the lie. In other words, one's fate is greatly determined by one's love for or lack of the truth, which certainly includes God's law, his Ten Commandments. Without that love for the truth, deception follows. It is exactly this problem that marks the last epoch of church history with the stain of lukewarmness. Laodicea lacks the fiery love for the truth. Many are even grown cold, although at the same time, the remnant emphasizes the commandments to keep and preserve them. The mixture of the hot and cold brethren leads to an overall lukewarm atmosphere where tears and wheat grow together. The third sign. The third sign of the times is, therefore, polarization. While some are driven by love for God's truth and his commandments and proclaim the eternal gospel of Jesus in all the world, other Christians listen to false teachers, allowing themselves to be ensnared by miracles and then not only hinder the gospel proclamation, but also betray those who proclaim it. It is, then, not the anxious observation of world events or the spreading of fear in emerging crises or the meticulous examination of conspiracy theorists that prepare the church for Jesus' return. Rather, it is the accurate knowledge of the scriptures, which includes the law of God, that keeps the love for God alive in our hearts and makes us sincere followers of Christ. Jesus prayed for unity, making a clear sign for his people and a sign for the world. It is not political upheavals, mechanization of life or economic political globalization that bring about the end. It is divisiveness within the church and the world and the lack of love, reflected in the abandonment of God's love that brings God's patience to its final limit. It is ironic that many Christians, unfortunately, including some Seventh-day Adventists, see the preaching of the law as an obstacle to strengthening one's love for God. Law or grace, commandments or love, these have become alternative opposites. It is supposedly one or the other. The one who looks to the law will become cold and unloving, even fall away from grace. Such is the widespread attitude. Yet, according to the Bible, we show our love for God by keeping the law, not as the means of salvation, but as a sign of true love. Far from contradicting each other, love for God and obedience to his commandments only reinforce one another. If we want to prepare ourselves and our church for the second coming, it is precisely this truth, the law and the gospel together that must be proclaimed. As I have loved you. It is not crucial to know exactly when Jesus will return. If it were, he would have told us the exact time. Jesus calls his followers not to respond to the calamities of this world with fear and doom. On the earth, there will be distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the seas and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. It is good to know what is going on in the world, but it is more important that the church stand with truth. 
resisting all temptations to lawlessness and Laodicea's lack of love. Selfless love for each other and sacrificial love for the world will usher in the second coming of Jesus. The love of the Redeemer will draw hearts together in unity. And when his parting words are fulfilled, love one another as I have loved you. When we love the world as he has loved it, then for us, his mission is accomplished. We are fitted for heaven. And three major signs, the everlasting gospel to all the world, apostasy and Laodicea. Tell us, indeed, just how near that redemption really is. For bibliographical and biblical references on this article and for much more content for pastors and church leaders, please visit ministrymagazine.org.